All righty. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you guys here this morning. Good to be worshiping with you guys this morning. The stand needs some WD-40. Anybody hear that? Anybody have any? Oh, okay. All right. Not on you? Okay. Utility closet. You care to go get it? Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Well, hey, first of all, before we get started this morning, uh, do we have any military veterans in here? Yeah, you raise your hand. Hey, can we just give them a round of applause? With it being Veterans Day weekend, we want to, uh, on behalf of Gateway, I want to extend our, our greatest thank you, our, our, our deepest gratitude towards you guys uh, and your families. Uh, many people in this room probably don't realize what that sacrifice looks like, myself included. Uh, we don't fully understand it, um, but uh, that does not mean we can't thank you uh, as best as we know how. So thank you for your sacrifice, uh, for all that you've done for the freedoms that we have here in this country. But second of all, the reason why we are all here today is because we are in the middle of our thinking series. And this is a series where we are using our brain to answer some of life's biggest questions. Now, uh, there shouldn't be any middle schoolers in here. If you are, you need to get back to the student room. All right, get out of here. We don't want you anymore. Just kidding. But when I was in middle school, I uh, had a substitute teacher look at me one time, and I have no idea what I did to, to warrant him to say this, but uh, I'm sure I did something. But he looked at me, and he, he knocked on my head, and he said, are there any lights on up there? Is anybody home? Right? And I was like, what? Yeah, no. Uh, I don't know. Again, I don't know what I did, but he only said that because, or he obviously said that because I most likely was not using my brain, right? I probably did something dumb, just wasn't thinking, I wasn't using my brain, and uh, I probably deserved it. I probably deserved that response. So this series will hopefully help keep the lights on up there as we explore and talk about these big questions that maybe we've never talked about before, maybe that we've been too afraid to explore in the past. And in week one, we, we looked at the question, does my life have any meaning? We, we looked at that question, we answered it, uh, and we said that some people, they look at their life and they think that it has no meaning. It's, they think that it's just pointless and uh, it's pointless to live for anything but ourselves, right? We're just this cosmic accident. We're just here by chance and that's it, and that's it. But we concluded at the end of that week that Uh, Our lives absolutely have meaning. They most certainly have meaning beyond ourselves because there is a God who created us as eternal beings, and he gave us meaning to live by and a purpose to live for. But in week two, to come to that conclusion, we had to presuppose that there was a God that exists to begin with, right? So last week, we talked about uh, we we uh, asked the question and answered the question, does God really exist? Does God really exist? And now I want to remind you of, uh, of what we, uh, one of the scripture passages that we was included in our service last week uh, of Psalm chapter 14, uh, when God, he stoops over and he listens to these people who, who claims that he doesn't exist, right? And he calls them fools. He calls them fools, right? And he points out that their decision is a moral decision, not an intellectual decision. 
They don't want to believe in God because they want to just live however they want. They don't, they, they don't want to live by any, any rules, right? We don't live by rules, but that's what they thought. They don't want to live by any rules, uh, and, and so they just ignore the evidence. But there's so much evidence for the existence of God, isn't there? There's so much. We only went through four of them last week. Philip, our student minister from St. Albans, was here, and he, he gave us four lines of evidence that, that point to the existence of God. And, and there are over 20 lines of evidence to do that. So we just barely got into it. And so we're going to go over the rest of those today. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. But does anybody remember those four points that we talked about last week? Shout them out if you, if you got them. Biogenesis? Uh, anybody? Huh? Design? Did I hear design? Two more? Morality and experience. Man, good job, good job. Uh, at first service, there were only four people who answered, so uh, I know that only those four people listened last week, so the, the more participation was good. Uh, thank you. No, bi- biogenesis, meaning that life can only come from life, right? Life cannot generate from a non-living, uh, non-living life, non-living, uh, we'll have to work on that. Life cannot come from non-living things, right? Non-living matter, right? So that is the argument of biogenesis. The argument of design says that if there is evidence of design, then there must be what? A designer, designer, right? Everybody look at your Apple Watch, pull out your iPhone uh, or your, you know, whatever smartphone you have, right? And when we look at that, we, we see that that just happened naturally, right? Those things, smart devices just developed naturally on their own, right? That makes sense. It doesn't. Uh, I'll answer that for you. It doesn't make sense. We look at those things and we see that, man, these are very intricately designed. There's so many parts to it. There must have been somebody, a genius behind these things that designed them, right? If there was evidence of design, there must be an intelligent designer. We looked at morality, as you guys uh, called out there. In morality, it is not a subjective thing, meaning that it, it is in accordance with our opinion, right? If it were subjective, then it wouldn't be wrong for Hitler to have murdered millions of Jews, right? However, morality is objective, meaning that, that there is this moral standard that we all live by that pervades our culture, and that moral standard is the character of God. He the character of God is our moral lawgiver. And so the last point was experience. Experience, uh, you know, your experience of a living and active relationship with, your, with a personal God, it can't truly be argued against. And that is one of the strongest tools in your evangelistic tool belts because that is your experience. Did anybody go to uh, Walt Disney World this summer or this year? Has anybody been this year? Oh, man, nobody. Last year. There we go, last year. Aaron, how was that trip? Was it good? Yeah. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, that actually, not Disney World. Disney World was not fun. Uh, there you go, there you go. But Universal was amazing. Uh, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I can't argue with her, right? I can't argue with her experience because her experience tells her that she had a good time, Right? Our experience with our relationship, with our our personal relationship with our Heavenly Father, it can't be argued against. I can't tell you that it's wrong. Nobody can tell you it's wrong. They might say they don't agree with it, 
but it is, it is an incredibly strong tool that we have that points to the existence of God. So those are great lines of evidence that, again, that show that God exists. And in our conversation with skeptics, the question that we're going to talk about today, it might be the one that comes up next. And that is, as you saw in the video, do all religions lead to God? If God exists, do all religion, religions lead to him? And that's what she was trying to find out in that video. Do all religions lead to God? Do we really need to try to convert Buddhists or, or Hindus or Muslims or, or, or Mormons or Jehovah's Witness or any other person of any other faith? Do we need to try to convert them to Christianity? Aren't they just okay if they have their faith or if they at least have some kind of religion? Right? Like, why should we be worried about pushing Jesus on them? Well, it's not that we want to push Jesus on anybody, right? We, we don't want to force the matter, but we do need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a certain sense of urgency. We need to speak the truth in love. And in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But let's back up for a minute. Let's back up to last week's video, uh, our, our last week's bumper video, and it started off with a statement by the young lady that should cause all of us to kind of stop and think for a moment. Here's what she said. She said, I can't help but wonder that if I was born into a different family in a different country, would I believe in a different God? It's a tough question. That's a good question. It's one that we should all know how to answer, or we should have an answer for. And so many young, young people who are developing their faith apart from their parents, this is probably a question that they will probably ask themselves at some point in life. And they'll, they'll think about this somewhere along the way. You know, because this world, it's a, it's a big place, right? There's a lot out there. There's a lot of different cultures. There's a lot of different religious traditions. And, and if, if, if those young adults who are searching, if they are observant, which many of them are, one day they're going to ask, well, why is it wrong to be a Muslim? Why is it wrong to be Buddhist or Hindu? Why is it wrong to believe in scientism? Why can't we just leave everybody else alone, leave them where they are, let them pursue their own religion, have their own God, and I'll do my thing. Why is that wrong? Now, if you find yourself asking this question and you feel like it might be okay to let everyone have their, their own religion, or maybe you're being asked that by somebody else, well, there's some problems there. And the first problem is that there is only one way. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, some people, uh, as we saw in the video, uh, she talked about uh, life as kind of climbing this mountain, right? And religion is this particular path that takes you up the mountain. So they, they say that you can take any path up the mountain, and along the way, you'll see different sights, you'll have different views, right? And you'll have different experiences as you go. But the goal is all the same. Everybody's goal is the same. It's just to get to the top, right? Don't... don't uh, don't, don't offend anybody. Don't make any waves, right? Don't, don't, uh, don't, don't push anything too much. And that's, that's a really uh, popular thing in our culture right now is this idea of inclusivity and, and, and being tolerant, right? And so this is a really good way 
that, that many people, not a good way, but this is a way that many people kind of view re- religion right now. You do your own thing, I'll do my thing, let's just get to the top of the mountain, right? Let's just all get along and make it to the top. But listen, some religious paths, they don't even claim that there is a mountain, right? It's all an illusion, and for those that do, who gets to decide the path that takes you, uh, who, who gets to decide that the paths that take you up the mountain are equally good? And what is the destination that we're, we're trying to reach? What are we going for? Right? Some people, they want to avoid the mountain altogether, or they want to settle for this kind of oasis near the top just to melt back into the universe. But I, and I would say that many of you in here, I want to live and enjoy the very presence of God and reign with Christ for eternity. The fact is, all these paths, they are going somewhere. They're going to take you somewhere, but they're not all going to the same place. There's only one way to the Father, and Christianity is the only path that even claims to get you there. Now, that's a, that's a bold statement though, right? But Jesus said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So there's only one way to God, and that is through Christ Jesus. And besides the fact that Jesus said it, how can we confidently say or, or know that the Christian worldview is the only way to God? Well, here's how. Christianity, at its core, it provides us with a test to know whether it is true or not. Does anybody in this room have any, any guesses as to what that might be? I hear some whispering. Evidence of the resurrection. You can tell that's my brother right there because I talked about it a lot going through school. (laughs) The evidence of the resurrection. We all know it, right? But think about it with me for a moment. Think about this. If Jesus didn't do what he said he was going to do, if he if he predicted his death and didn't uh, or death and resurrection, and he didn't die and raise back to life, then we have no reason to believe any word he ever says, right? No reason. But if Jesus did, in fact, predict his death and his resurrection, and he did, in fact, go on to die and raise back to life, then we have every single reason to believe that he is the only way. We have every reason to believe that he is the only way to know God the Father. And so uh, there's, there's mounds of evidence for the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And I did a class for it back in the spring, uh, and I'd love to do that again. Uh, so I, I can't go into the evidence for the resurrection this morning, but if you'd like to talk about that sometime, I would love to, to talk with you, you know, on the side uh, and discuss some of those things. But that is how we can confidently say Jesus is the only way, besides the fact that he said it, right? Besides the fact that he said it, the death, his death and resurrection is how we can confidently know that. And the second problem that you will face if you feel it might be okay for, you know, for anyone to, to have their own religion is this. There's only one truth. There's only one truth. Let's be honest with ourselves for just a moment, right? All religions, they can't all be true, right? They can't all be true at the same time. Truth, by its very nature, is exclusive, right? It either is or it is not, Right? Last week, I was at middle school camp with about 70, 70 middle schoolers, and uh, one of the team-building uh, things we did, we, we bought safari vests and safari hats, 
and they had to write down their team name on it, uh, pick a team animal, and write down a fact about that animal. And one team picked a giraffe, and their fact was that uh, baby giraffes are usually bigger than human babies. True. They tried to argue that as fact, and I said, no, it either is or it is not, right? They either are or they are not. If they aren't, if all of them aren't, then that's not, you know, we could, we could argue a little bit there. But it either is or it is not, right? That is how truth is. That, that means there can only be one truth when it's exclusive, right? And that's just what Jesus claimed to be, right? He claimed to be the way, the what, the truth, and the life. And as I just discussed in my last point, his death and resurrection was more, made him more than qualified to make such a claim. But let's talk about some other religions for a moment and some of the truth claims that they make, right? Hinduism, they claim that, that God is just kind of this impersonal force that we will all kind of eventually melt into through reincarnation over and over again. Buddhism, it's closely tied to Hinduism, and it teaches uh, that, that if we eliminate our desires, we will ultimately achieve enlightenment and this state of true nirvana, which, which is this state of no cravings or, or no desire. Islam, it teaches the absolute oneness of God, meaning that he wouldn't dirty himself in human form or in human flesh by taking on human nature. And because God didn't take on human nature... We cannot have a personal relationship with him now. And that if we, if our good deeds outweigh the bad deeds enough, then we might find mercy in the eyes of God on judgment day. Scientism. Maybe some of you have heard of this. Maybe you haven't. But scientism is closely related to the worldview of naturalism and materialism. And that teaches, this worldview teaches that uh, whatever we can see in our physical world that is the only thing that can explain our reality. There's nothing else. There's no supernatural. There's no life after death. So when we die, we just cease to exist. There's nothing else. But Christianity, Christianity is the only religion that not only claims we have a personal God, but also that he can be reached by his creation and we can live in eternity with him. So how do we reach this personal God though? Well, it's simple. We reach him through his son, Jesus Christ. It's not easy, though, for someone who's, who's been raised in a certain religion to see and understand that their truth isn't true at all. But what about people who say, well, well, wait a minute. Your truth is true for you, and my truth is true for me, right? Let's just, let's just leave it at that, right? Well, that would be great if that's how truth worked, you know, it would be nice for me to be going 90 down the interstate, and the police officer pulls me over and says, hey, you were speeding. I was like, nope, no, I wasn't. The speed limit's 70 for you, but it's, you know, whatever else for me, right? That's not how it works, is it? That's just not true, right? Because uh, you can be very sincere about your beliefs, but be sincerely wrong, amen? Yeah. Then there's people who say, well, maybe it's not true, Right? It might not be true, but at least it's meaningful, right? At least they find purpose in that. All right, let's take that for a moment, all right? Let's say we are all, anybody been skydiving in here before? No, yeah, okay, just one, maybe one or two of you. 
All right, let's, let's all imagine that we are harnessed into our instructor on, on our back, right? And we're, what, 13,000 feet up, somewhere around there. And we're sitting on the side of the plane getting ready to jump out, right? And we turn around to our instructor, hey, man, harness good, parachute good? You know, he's like, ah, harness, yeah, I don't know. It, it might, might hold up. Parachute might deploy. But I tell you what, doesn't matter if it does or doesn't. This has been a meaningful experience getting you all rigged up. Nah, nah, huh, huh. Well, I'm staying on that plane. Staying on, well, I don't even know if I trust the pilot at that point either. So, and I don't care if it's meaningful, right? I want it to be true. I want there to be truth in it, right? So listen when I say that your eternal destiny is hanging in the balance, right? You don't want just what's meaningful. You want what is absolutely true. You want eternal security, and your life is at stake. Your friends, your family's lives are at stake. And that leads me to the third and final point this, or, uh, problem this morning that you will face if you feel it might be okay to let everyone have their own religion. And that is, there is only one life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But it could be that just all religions, they just appear to be different on the surface. And deep down, they just, all, uh, they just all have different descriptions of the same reality, right? It could be that. Well, let's think back uh, to the old Hindu parable of the story of the blind men and the elephant. There's a picture of it on the screen there if you've never heard of it. But each blind man was touching a different part of the elephant. One was touching the trunk and said, well, this is a snake. Another one was touching the ear and said, this is a fan. One was touching the leg and said, well, this is a tree. Another was touching the tail and said, well, this is a rope right here. And all of them were wrong, weren't they? They didn't know they were touching an elephant, right? So some people might say that this is like all religions, that we just, we just see part of the picture, not the whole picture, and they say that if we, if, we, if we put all the religions together, if we take the best from each and combine it all together, then we have, we'll have the complete picture, right? Think of it as kind of a religious golden corral, right? A spiritual buffet where we can take any choice that we want and we can create this religion that suits us. But that's not what we ought to get from this Hindu uh, parable. What we ought to get from it is this that all religions are wrong. None of them have an accurate and full picture of God. And most of them aren't even trying to reach God. So the answer to our question this morning, do all religions lead to God, is a resounding no. In fact, we could say that no religion leads to God. Now please put your stones down. Don't throw them yet. Okay, just let me finish my thought here. We can say that no religion leads to God. So where does that leave Christianity? Where does that leave Christianity? I think it leaves it right where it claims to be. It leaves Christianity on the outside of the scope of religion because Christianity is about relationship. It's not about religion. You see, the God that we're all trying to see, the God that we are all trying to meet has revealed himself through Christ Jesus, and he is reachable through a personal relationship with Christ. 
British theologian Michael Green, he put it this way. He says, what we need is not to compare the chinks of light that different religions may have perceived, but to experience the sunrise which eclipses the light of every candle. We do not need a religion, but a revelation. And that is precisely what Christianity claims to be. Unlike other holy books, the Bible does not record the story of human beings in search of God, but of God in search of human beings. In John's gospel, chapter five, Jesus He heals a lame man by the pool of Bethesda. And if you recall, this happened on a Sabbath day, right? And the very religious Pharisees, they they couldn't wrap their mind around it. They couldn't be happy uh, about the man's healing simply because it took place on the Sabbath day. And that's just the way that these Pharisees were, right? They had their rules. Their rules came first. Their pride came second. And people came third. So they came after the healed man, and they also came after Jesus. And down in verse 17, Jesus says, My father is working until now, and I'm working. And John goes on in verse 8, he says, This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. (coughs) Excuse me. And then I want you to listen to part of what Jesus said to these uh, very religious Pharisees here. He says, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who has sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom sent you, whom he has sent. Now listen closely to what he tells them next in verse 39. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them, (coughs) excuse me, I'm sorry. You think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. That you may have life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. (coughs) Excuse me, excuse me. Sorry, you see, Jesus, he didn't come, or he didn't claim to have discovered the way, did he? He didn't say, hey, I know the way. Hey, I, I have found the way. Come, come follow me, I know where it is, right? No, Jesus claimed to be the way. Jesus didn't claim to, to have found the truth or know where the truth was, right? He didn't say, hey, come look over here, do this, you will find the truth. No, he said, hey, I am the truth. Jesus didn't say, I am, you know, I have found where life is. I know where to find life. He said, no, I am the life. I give life. And the truth of his claims, as I said in the beginning, is verified in his very death and resurrection of his body. For some people, these are, are arrogant and narrow-minded claims though, right? But that's the nature of some truth, Right? That's the nature of how truth works, right? As humbly as you can say it, it's an exclusive claim. And if anybody is willing to endure all that Jesus has endured, and in the end to lay his life down for you, that's one of the most humble, non-arrogant, and unselfish things that anyone has ever done for anyone, let alone the whole world. So do you want to know how to get to God? You want to know how to get to God this morning? It's not through religion, it's not through religion, but it's through relationship 
with Jesus Christ who said, I am, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. One Christian thinker of our day, he said, Jesus does not offer to make bad people good. He offers to make dead people alive. So today I want to invite you, not into a religion, but I want to invite you into a relationship, a relationship with God himself through his son, Jesus Christ, that will bring you life. So if you have a decision that you want to make this morning, whether it's uh, you know, a decision to commit your life to Christ, uh, you know, the, to commit your life to the only way to God, then I'm going to be up here to your front, uh, your, your, your left, and I'd love to pray with you about that and talk you through that. But if you just need prayer or any other decision uh, that, that you'd like to make, I'd, I'd love to be uh, up here and, and praying with you over those things. But after I pray, the band, they are going to lead us in a time of response. And during that time is the perfect time to come talk to me or pray with me if you'd like that. So let's pray, and then after I pray, you can stand and worship with us. God, we thank you so much that through your son Jesus, not only could we, we have life and life eternal, but not only, not only could we know truth, but Father, that we, could, that we know the way. We know the way to you. We, we have access to your heart. We have access to eternity with you because of your son. Because your son came down to this earth. He made himself the lowest of the low so that we could have relationship with you, so that you could relate to us. So Father, we, we thank you. We thank you that there is no other way, that we don't have to be confused about it. There might be some confusion, but at the end of the day, there is no confusion. You are clear in what you said and what you did. You died and you rose to life. And because of that, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Father, help us to believe that. Help us to not just keep that to ourselves, but to share it to others uh, and to, to carry that with us no matter where we are in life so that we can uh, spread this message to you. Father, if there's anybody in this room this morning, then I pray that, they, uh, that your word would weigh heavy on their hearts this morning and that, 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 they would, uh, that you would move them into action. Father, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Stand and sing.